At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So it was just about a year ago when I got a text from my main man, Bomani Jones. And he said, hey, Mike, Bun B needs to talk to you. I'm like, word? Okay. Like, whatever it is, whatever Trill OG needs from your boy, I got him. Like, the, one of the greatest MCs of all time, the soundtrack to my, my young adult years. Absolutely. What what can I do for Bun B? Does he want my insight on a track? Does he want to give me like a name check on his next record? Like, what is it? What does he need from me? Come to find out Bun B needed my fantasy advice. And I was like blown away. A, because I was flattered. B, because Bun B is just like me in more ways than I realized. Bun B is a hardcore fantasy football player. As a matter of fact, he just had his draft the other night. Uh, it's a big time league. I, I uh oh, I don't like that look. What happened? Tell me about this draft. You, you're, not, you're not happy with what you came out with? I'm not happy. But first of all, it's good to talk to you, Mike. Good to see you. Good to talk to um, you, brother. Good to see you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very very honest on this podcast. Um, all right. <clears throat> there's a little viral clip going on right now. Um, I did a podcast last weekend. Uh, with some good people from Boss Talk. And it's a married couple that does the podcast. So we got to talking about married issues because I'm a married man as well. And Yes. And, 20 um, years. Congratulations. Know, thank you. Thank you very much. And so, um, you know, they were asking me things. And I, 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 I definitely gave my wife some flowers on this podcast, right? And just as soon as I gave my wife these these flowers. I almost want to take one back, not the bouquet, <laughs> but one back because what she do? Nothing. She did nothing. Actually, it's what I did. I, I, I guess it's really my fault. I guess she, she, she should keep a bouquet because it's really on me. I brought my wife to my biggest fantasy football draft, mm. and I'll tell you why that's a problem, Mike. The reason it's a problem that I brought my wife to my biggest fantasy football draft is because when you're with your wife and you're a married man as well, so you understand mm-hmm. this, there's only so much attention you can give to other things while your wife is right. in your immediate presence. You, there's no way you can give anyone or anything 100% of your complete attention yeah, when your wife... You're on the clock. Is, and you're on yeah, the clock. I, yeah, and so... You know, I'm trying to balance my picks 
with this high level of masculine energy in the room, making sure right. my wife is okay. My wife is not right. sitting next to me. So I got to get up and go walk over and see if she's okay. Oh, man. Because you know you're going to hear about it on the back end. And so I got to do all of those things, navigate man. that, and then try to get back to my spot and get to my picks. Now, that being said, I cannot blame everything on my wife. I just, I made some very bad picks. Um, here's the thing. First of all, all this, the idea of drafting these quarterbacks in these first two rounds, like for me, it's just yeah. lost on me. I just, I just don't get it. And I'll never draft that way. So maybe my team will never be fully competitive, right? Because okay, if I, I just for me, like you don't pick a quarterback before the third round at least, right? And that's a little, that's a lot to me, right? Yeah. But these high performers are so few and far between that it's not right. long before, you know, halfway in that second round, somebody takes Mahomes. And then that just sets off, you know, the domino effect, the quarterback domino effect. Well, look, let's do this. Like, let's let's kind of set the table. Because I'm sure your team's not that bad. And if it is, your boy is here to help. Because, you know, I'm the <laughs> transaction king. You know what I mean? So we could always work our way out of this. There's always a way here. So I don't think, let's, let's, I don't think my team is that bad, Mike. I will be fair. But okay. my rating, my rating for my draft is terrible but it's based off of my draft position. All right. So how many teams? 12 teams in this team. 12 teams. This is PPR? Yes, sir. All right. 12-team PPR. Um, standard roster, like one quarterback. You know, this yes. isn't super flex yeah. or nothing like that, right? Okay, got it. No, so, no, no, no. Um, no. Two, two okay. receivers, two running backs, one flex. Okay, cool. All right. And where did you pick? Third. Okay. All right. So who'd you start with? And and tell me and give me your roster. Who you got? Uh I started with Eckler. That's your guy. I feel like when we talked last year, that's who you ended up taking when we talked before your draft last year. Yes, absolutely. I took Austin. Okay. Eckler. All right, Eckler, that's a good pick. All right. So far so good. Who else? Um, after Eckler, I took I took Waddle. Okay. But again, yep. I did I I, I in my money draft, for some reason, I cannot just draft smart. I get very emotional. I play. I pick people that I think are going to work hard like me. I try to see myself in people. And I, I, I like now, it. Fantasy is supposed now, to be here, fun. So. Here's where it fell apart. Here's where All it right. fell apart. When I All had right. to go and refresh a drink, I came back <laughs> and I was like, All right, yeah, exactly. And I took, and it's really, there's no explanation because it was either this person Mark Andrews, and I just had a brain fart, and I took Ramondre Stevenson. Okay, I, I don't hate that, that though. But yeah, I think you're, being, you're being too hard on yourself. I don't hate that, Mike. It's unexplainable. Why? I'm not saying. Why? I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but that's a bad third round pick. You feel like you should have taken Andrews, or third, yes, if I was going to on a third round pick, I should have gotten somebody that's going to guarantee me a little bit more. Because Mark Stevens is, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Mark Andrews is obviously going to get touches. You know what I'm saying? This sure. reminds the situation could go bad if the Ezekiel works works out. I don't think okay. it's going to work out. I don't. But at the same okay. time, Zeke's got a lot to prove. And when athletes have a lot to prove on a new team, there's a lot of effort given. And, you know, I just don't know how. To, here's the thing, right? This is New England. 
right? Mm-hmm. So New England may it's have difficult. a game where they decide they, they may all they want to do is run the ball, right? There may yeah. be a game where yeah. all they want to do is run. And don't the let ball Ramondre fumble. You know, they right. ain't a doghouse. He, he won't touch. Yeah. He won't touch him for a while. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there'll be a game, may yeah. a game where they throw, you know, just chunk the ball. Right. They're mm-hmm. very, very, mm-hmm. they're very precise about how they approach mm-hmm. teams, especially mm-hmm. um, offensive weaknesses. I mean, defensive weaknesses. Excuse me. If they feel their run game is weak, they will stuff the ball down their throat the entire game. They'll probably throw under 15, 16 passes that game. Whereas if if they feel like the run game is too strong, then they may only do 20 run plays the entire game, right? Maybe goal line stuff, maybe one on the first down, but then, yeah. you know, they're going to throw the ball all day if they okay. feel they can pick a park that secondary, right? Um but I just like Ramondre Stevenson. I just really like him as a workhorse running back. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with this. All right. So Eckler, Waddle, Stevenson. I, so far, so good. Who's next? Who's the rest of your Who's the rest um, of your roster? I have Mike Williams. I took Mike Williams. I'm trying to do. No, no. I took Hop. I took DeAndre Hopkins in the fourth. Oh, Houston. <laughs> you you loyal. You still you loyal. <laughs> yeah. And then I took I took Go I took Godier in the fifth. Oh, da- oh, Dallas Goddard. I, mean, Goddard. Okay. Goddard. Yep. I keep calling him yep. Goddard for some reason. I think it's yep. but I took. Uh, but I see, took that's Goddard. a good pick. You were tripping about not taking Mark Andrews. Goddard's a good pick. That's a really good pick at tight end for you. So you good? Yeah. No, I mean I'm pretty. I'm just I, I'm just gonna live and die by this um, Stevenson. But we we're, we're gonna keep going. Seventh round, I take Williams, Mike Williams. Yeah. Eighth round, I, here's why I jumped off the bridge. Here's why I jumped off the bridge. Eighth round, I took Bryce Young. Huh. That was your first QB? Yes. My only quarterback. Ooh. Okay. That's risky. Yeah. That's, my a, only that's a little quarterback. risky. Rookie quarterback. I'll show you why. I'll show you why. I'll show you why. Because then I started to, after that, I think I went towards, I picked up Elijah Mitchell. Okay. I picked up Elijah Mitchell because my first season in this big league, I had the number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. And of course, oh. I, and this was two years ago. So I took Christian McCaffrey, right? You scored. You still scored. Great games. He gave me great <laughs> games when, when he played. Yeah. And then, but he never, he did not play that whole season. And last yeah. year, he didn't play the whole season. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, and yeah. I believe they're going to work the shit out of – I believe the offense is going to run through Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco yeah. this year. And I think they're yeah. going to put a lot of wear and tear on him. Okay. And I don't think – you know. I, and I hate to say, I don't want to count on an athlete not playing, no, getting I injured. You. I don't put that shit on yeah. nobody. That's the nature of the game. I'm just going by what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going by what yeah. I've seen. And um, Who was your favorite so pick? Up, Who's your favorite pick that you picked? Like the one that you was like, I got him. Like, you Eckler. was like, watch Eckler. this. Easy. Okay. Easy. Eckler. All right. Easy. And I feel like as the shakier Stafford's play gets, you know, Austin's the dump off. Austin's the dump off. Austin's the dump off. You know what I'm saying? He's Austin is going to be the guy that if anything's crazy or weird, let me just find him. Right? Austin mm-hmm. Eckler is going to get, is going to carry a big brunt of LA's offense. This year, okay. he did last year, but they do it again. Yeah, no, he he he's uh even though running backs get no love, you know he's gonna get his. Like you know, 
like, Justin Herbert is going to trust him with all the no help. I can tell through. you my worst pick. I can tell you who okay, might be my that? worst pick. I think my worst pick might be, well, I don't want to count him out yet, um, but I, I took Zay Flowers. Your worst pick? Okay, first yeah. of all, Zay Flowers is that dude. It's funny you say that. I, See, I, I, I got to get right? everybody. Everybody in the room laughed at me. I said, "Dude, I'm not." I said, "I think this dude's gonna get busy." You know what I'm saying? No, he's a true. Like, so check this out. This is what I'm gonna do for you, because you're doing clearly. This is a redraft league. You haven't played Dynasty yet. If you really well, want to get hooked on that narcotic, I'm gonna put you on the Dynasty. Dynasty will change your life. And somebody made a comment about that. Somebody's like, Zay Flowers is a dynasty pick. Yeah. Yeah, he is. That's a tomorrow pick. It's like, he's nice, but he's not going to be nice here. Like, that was the thing. So so who's in this room? Who's in this league with you? You said your big league. Like, how big are we talking? Who's in this league? Who's in this league? Um, CC Sabathia. Okay. Michael Rappaport. Joe Budden. Um, G Spin, wow. John Manili, uh, Lake Morrison. Um, our commissioner is John Feldman. Um, there's somebody I'm leaving out. I know there's uh, Sav, um, who's got the new artist Lola Brooke crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm bugging. I'm bugging. Oh, Jay Grand. Jay Grand is in this league. And who am I leaving out? If you get some, if, if y'all get an opening, holla at your boy. Just saying. If y'all get an opening. I got Anybody? the last opening. I got the last opening. Wale, they, Wale they, they don't come open Wale that much. Oh, Wale? Okay. So, yeah. If is, anybody decides they can't the make it. League. So, this is the starter league to Guts. Okay. To the Guts League, which is Jay-Z, Irv Gotti, yeah. and all those. You know what I'm saying? So, like you got to win at least three chips over here to even be considered oh. over there. Because oh, there a guy, okay. there's a guy or two from this league that plays in guts. Okay. You know, so can't even. You got to win. At least, you got to win at least three chips over here to even act like you want to play over there. And then the stakes are well, much higher. As high as the stakes are, stakes are much higher over there. What are we talking about with stakes? How high are the stakes in your league? Okay. Bye. 10K? Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of wives, I'm going to ask my wife about that. But if you got to open it, let me know. <laughs> but, no, but no matter what, you know you could call on me. This is what I really want to know before we move on. What kind of fantasy owner is Bun B? How would you describe yourself as a fantasy owner? I am, I, I am obsessive over coaching, right? I think I'm always better playing the cards I'm dealt. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I do a lot of anticipatory drafting, right? That's my thing, right? I try to draft me a good enough team that's going to get me started, but I try to look at people that I think at some point the team's going to have to get more responsibility to, right? I think there are guys that are going to have to, like, uh, I, I drafted Algier, right? Mm, okay. Because, because there's so much Right, right, right. But there's yeah. so much expected of Bijan, right? And we don't know yeah. if this, you know, we, I mean, we're almost certain this is going to work, right? But this is the NFL. It hasn't happened yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. We got to figure out what these guys are going to do. I picked Gabe Davis, who I think is going to have a great year. You know what I'm saying? I think, 
I think some of these guys really didn't get their feet underneath them. Uh, like, like Boyd. I think Boyd is a great player. Hmm. You know, Tyler Boyd. I think I drafted him. I think he's a great player. Um, they're just going to have to figure out where they fit in a lot of these offensive schemes. They're, they're good players on teams that have great players, right? So yeah. they're dependable. They're, they're, they'll do the work. If the ball gets in their way, they'll catch it, right? But again, this is anticipatory, right? We have to assume yeah. that these organizations have plans to work these people into these schemes. But the whole idea of Algeria and Mitchell is just as having those number two um, receive yeah. uh, running back. No, I, no, I, I, I feel you on that. And that Elijah Mitchell, right? Should something happen to Christian McCaffrey this series, this season, oh, where he's going to be out yeah. more than four, six, three. So, but but for me, I could either keep it or I could use it as leverage against the guy that has McCaffrey, right? And and get some shit yeah. out of him. Same thing for the guy that has John Robinson, right? Yeah. I'll be out here. On yes, absolutely. Because they're yeah. not thinking like that. They're not thinking. I'm trying to plan for this entire season. I like. So I feel uh, like I got a wide receiver, so I feel like Gabe Davis and Boyd, and I got Rondell Moore as well. Okay. So wait, one more thing about this league that I'm trying to get in. Go who's the it. best? Who's the best manager in that league? Or your stiff? If it's, if it's you, who's your best competition? Ja. Ja's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Ja won last year. Ja won last year. Okay. Um, but okay. it was kind of a co-chip thing. It was it was a code chip thing. It was it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but something happened with the last game. I don't think it. Oh, because um, oh, because of the Demar Hamlin situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah, but yeah, had, yeah. Had both player. I think maybe both of them had a Bills player, and so because okay. of it, they just called it a, a you know to call it a dead yeah. heat and wiped out of that. Okay. So, and how many teams uh, do you that, have overall? This this, this should. This this your big league, but how many teams you have overall? Four, four this year. Four, okay, all right. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get and you I in the dynasty. Don't, they don't draft. Here's the thing: I typically don't draft the big league first. But for this year, this year the big league was the first draft. See the other the other drafts that I do are more about practice and coaching techniques, right? And trying to see if things <laughs> okay. work because it's very gotcha. very low buy and a very low risk, right? These are hundred dollar okay. teams. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. And then there's a thousand dollar team that I'm on this year that's gonna, you know, this is just enough money to keep me interested, right? Yeah. That's the how well, I did. Like ten thousand dollars in the big in the big group. That's nothing. Yeah. CC Matthew wipes his ass with ten thousand dollars, right? Uh, most <laughs> right, guys, right, uh, very right, liquid, right, right. But right. but CC Sabathia also is not the type of man who will just give you ten thousand dollars at the Gotcha. You're going to have to earn that. You're going to have to take that from him. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. And and because he's like, you know, he was in transition for a while. So there were games where he was fully active and then other games where, you know, you can tell he had other shit he needed to do. But last year, like, it, he was he was here for it. And this year, he is focused. So it's going to be okay. very, very interesting to watch what CC does this season. And he drafted pretty well, too. So let's go back full circle. Okay. Your lovely wife, Angela, right? Your lovely wife. Like, what did she think? And does she get it? 
And is she now going to be more understanding? Because every fantasy player could relate to their wife getting sick and tired of them being on the phone talking about trades. So she did not understand it. Um, I've tried explaining it a couple of times. I think she almost gets it. She couldn't play it. Even if she cared to, she doesn't know enough about it to play it. Mm-hmm. My wife's a football fan. My wife likes football. My wife does not like fantasy football. My wife does <laughs> not like the her, idea. It takes her husband. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not that, right? On, on Sunday, oh. she would prefer I isolate myself. And get, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, but she, because she knows the Sunday mornings, I'm going to get up, I'm going to have a laptop, the iPad, the phone. I'm going in the TV room and I'm going to close the doors and I'm going to be there like all day. So I tell her every Sunday morning, I get up about 730, you know, is there anything you need? Do I need to go to the grocery <laughs> store? Do I need to go to Target? Do I need to go to Home Depot? You know, yeah. let me know right now. Give me my list. I'm up and ready for errands. And then at 11 o'clock, I'm done. We're done here. You locked and in. Talk- you locked in. Yeah. And it's kind of just like a slider meal under the door type of situation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'll typically steer at 3, 6, and 10 on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, so that's the secret to 20 years. Congratulations. You guys Thank just you. renewed your vows recently. Um, what has been, though, seriously, what has been the key to, to a 20-year-long marriage? To me, it has been the idea of respecting her growth in this process. My wife and I are not the same kind of person. Uh, we care about the same kind of things, but we, we move through this world a little bit differently. And I have to be okay with that, but she has to be okay with that, right? Um, the other thing is, and I tell people this all the time, I don't care how big your house is. When two people ain't getting along, it gets real small real quick. Mm-hmm. It gets real small real quick. And so you have to allow people somewhere where they can have their personal space and be themselves. And the other thing is just be, and it is the real thing, right? This is the main thing. I had to realize that as I was getting older, I was getting dumber and she was getting smarter. I had attained a high level of knowledge at a very young age. And I don't know if it was the weed, the liquor or what, but I can almost feel that I'm, I'm, I, there's only so much more I can take in at this older age. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure what it is, but it's like, I know what I know and I can, I can, I can learn something else, but I feel like every time I learn something new, I forget something I used to know, right? I feel like I'm <laughs> yeah. at capacity, you know, whereas my wife has this, this newfound wonder for life and learning about things and seeing things and experiencing things. And so she's learning more and she's bringing a lot of shit to me now, whereas I used to be like the main purveyor of information in the house. Hey, we need to focus on this. We need to lock in on that. We need to do this. Now, in these older years, she's the one that's like, hey, we need to make sure we got this. We need to, you know, double back on this. And hey, we need to, let's take another look at that and see if that's the best way to, to, to even really do that. So 
I'm very blessed, right? You know, I'm going to probably be, you know, typically you see the older guy, you know, helping the wife. My wife's probably going to be carrying my hunchback ass somewhere through something. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I couldn't have picked a better person to grow old with. Let, let me tell you, I could not have picked a better person to grow old with. That's beautiful, man. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So you renewed your vows, if I'm not mistaken, you had your vow renewal and your surprise 50th birthday party the same night, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. So, yeah, which, which was a beautiful yeah. scene. Which, yeah, which it was a whole. So not that the, the marriage wasn't a beautiful moment on its own, but the marriage, renewing the vow was her way of guaranteeing that I would show up for the 50th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> because that is typically not my type of thing, right? In that way, I love having fun and enjoying myself, but I would not have thrown myself a 50th birthday party. And my wife knows me. My wife knows how I obsess over things. So she knows once she told me, she knew that once she told me we were renewing my our vows, I would be locked in. Mm-hmm. Like a on, fantasy draft. Yeah, just yep. like this. Okay, I, it's not like, I got to knock this out the park. This is my 20-year yeah. wedding renewal. And I was so obsessed with making sure that it was going to be a beautiful moment for her that I had no idea that every single person around me, every single person in my life that's close to me knew about this party except me. I literally had no, I had no idea, Mike. And it's really hard to slip shit by me. And there were mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts, like, like I have my immediate circle of friends and they were like, Hey, we need to figure out who, who needs to come from New York. So then they called my closest friend in New York and they were like, Hey, who are all the people that when he comes to New York, y'all hang with that probably he would want at this party. And then they called the LA friend and the Atlanta friend and the Florida. And friend. they all kept and this secret. I'll wow. tell you, this is how crazy it was. I had a performance at South by Southwest the day before and uh, Static Selector came and Terminology came and a couple other guys came and we we're all hanging out smoking 
getting, you know, hanging out, smoking, getting ready to perform. And they tell yeah. him static tell him the next day. He's like, you really didn't know? And I'm like, no. He says, yo, he says, when you went up on the stage, I started asking niggas, he don't know about tomorrow? <laughs> he didn't say that. He's like, I started asking people, like, yo, is he don't know? He still don't know? And they're like, he right. has no idea. And so I want to, typically when I do shows in Austin, I drive to the show, and then I come right back. It's only two and a half hours. So I drive and go right back. And she was like, you might need to just relax tonight. I don't want you to do all that driving. I want to make sure you get here safe tomorrow. But she didn't want me to come home because it would have given away what was happening. Yeah. So that was the whole thing. So that was the first time she ever was like wow. recommended, like, well, just just stay. Y'all should stay tonight in Austin. But it was all it was all cat. It was all. Cap. And it still and it still didn't it didn't click. That wasn't a red flag for you. You didn't you didn't think nothing of it. He's like, okay. Well, the whole. Point well, the whole point of me always going home, my wife comes with me to every show. This was the one show she didn't come to. But I understood it because the wedding was the next day. And typically, uh-huh. you know, my wife prefers to sleep in her bed at night, if at all possible. So we'll go, yeah. we'll do the show, we'll get in the car, we'll go right back home, get home by yeah. three in the morning and sleep in my bed, right? But yeah. she's like, no, yeah. you don't have to worry, don't do all of that. So you can chill and relax and hang out with your sense. friends. It's South by Southwest. I know y'all want to hang out with people on stuff. like, okay, well. Sure, why not? These yeah, ladies they, they be plotting. They got they you. Got did you? And so, did and you it, write, and it almost it was almost given away. Uh huh. It was almost given away because when I pulled up for the wedding, I saw other people like walking into the venue, and I was like, "What? What's, what's all this about?" And so, in my mind, I was like, "Wait a minute, this must be a reception. Like, she must be throwing like some kind of reception upstairs. She ain't tell me about." Uh, and then I get up there and it's literally all my best friends from like childhood up to present day. Like oh, all these different people from so many different parts of my life that she know, she she may not even really know them, but she hears me speak about them so much. Like you got to call so-and-so. Ain't so-and-so his friend? Oh yeah, that's his boy. You know, that's his boy. That's his dog right there. Yeah, you got to tell yeah. him he got to Like it was wild. I had friends that, they're, they're, they live in Canada and they were in the Bahamas and they literally flew from the Bahamas to their, their, their a fairly liquid family. So they flew their jet from the Bahamas yeah. to the birthday yeah. party and hung out and then like went to the strip club and a bunch of shit after and then flew right back the next morning. Like that's love. That's love. Like I, um, I had never really been in a room full of people where I knew like every single person in that room outside of maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend or somebody, but literally every person yeah. that I knew in that room, I knew those people genuinely loved me. And that's, I mean, it's crazy because I did that to her one day. I flew her to Dallas for a Lil Wayne concert. And I was like, mm-hmm. we got to go up and meet and say hi to baby and all of them. I don't want to be around them people. We ain't going to be around. I just got to go up. Hi. And it was her birthday and she went in and it was her, I flown her whole family out. I flown all her sisters. Oh, wow laws and all the nieces and and the kids and that's who was in the suite that night so what did it mean to you to be in a room with a room full of people that you've been on this life's journey with and that all loved you like you just said what did that what did that moment mean to you to have them at my 50th because i had given zero attention to the to my 50th birthday like i wasn't even in the mind frame of oh shit i'm finna turn 50 like that hadn't even weighed into the equation because I was so dead set on making this thing right for my wife. 
So I had taken myself out of the equation. I had taken every notion of any of that night being about me out of the equation. You know what I'm saying? And so to walk in that room and realize that the night was about me all along itself was crazy. Because my wife knows this. I would not have made a big deal. I'd have been like cooking yeah. a steak, a baked potato, and let's sit in here and watch some TV. You know, just me and yeah. you. Just another yeah. night together, you know. But she really went out of her way to make my 50th birthday probably one of the most amazing nights of my life. And, you know, I, 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 you know, the night was about looking back and, and, you know, how far I'd come and everything I accomplished. And there were people in the room from every, every step of that walk, you know, and like the room itself was a timeline of my life. And I mean, it really, it, it just really, the more I walk the rooms, like literally I see somebody, oh man, I hug them and I see another person, I hug them and then this couple and I hug them and just went around the room and just levels of laughing and just crying and, you know, and then at the end of it is my mom waiting for me and it, it was just crazy, man. It was really, it was really crazy. Some of my, you know, I have a few cousins, you know how it is, you got cousins that's your yeah. age, right? Yeah. The ones who, you know room you slept in when you spent the night over at them at your aunt of them house you yeah, know those yeah. there, you know what i'm saying um yeah. it, it was beautiful wow. man it was beautiful i i could feel it i could feel it that's that says a lot about you man um did you write the vows i'm assuming you wrote the vows of course you wrote the vows like freestyle b freestyle you freestyle Summer. yeah i freestyle on the big day you freestyled on your wedding day I, I'm I was not a much surprised. Back then. I'm much, much, a much better freestyler back then. Do you remember but what you I, said but, you know, at the, at the renewal or either time? Do you remember what you said? No, no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I, gotcha. That's how I'm special. Straight from the heart. But it's really, but, and, and because, and I, I have to say this, my wife is very, very, like, soft-spoken. My wife is just like, you know, just, I just love you. You know what I'm saying? Kind of a thing. It's really not, she's not a, a speech person. She's an action yeah. person. You know, my wife lets you know exactly how she feels about you and, and how she, by the way, she interacts with you. Like, I, 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 don't, I really know I like how that. to say it. Like, you, you, if like Queenie that. likes you, if Queenie likes you, Queenie will speak to you first. Like, that's a big thing. <laughs> that's a big thing to win my wife's admiration because my wife doesn't trust anybody. My wife knows I go in rooms and the devil's waiting, right? So, you mm. know, she doesn't really trust anybody until she has a good reason to. So I walk in the room looking for friends and she'd walk in the room looking for ops. Wow. And that's kind of what works for us. But I think I might like your wife more than I like you, bro. Like, <laughs> you I think I might be Mike, in love with Mike. your wife. <laughs> Mike, Mike, don't let your wife hear that. But, but, but look, I'm going to keep it real, Mike. Everybody likes Bun B, right? Everybody genuinely likes Bun B. Nobody's got a good reason to not like Bun B. But when they meet us, people like Bun B, but everybody loves Queenie. Bro. Queenie solves everybody's problems, right? Like all my, awesome. I have friends that'll call me. I have friends that'll call me and be like, hey, bro, what's going on? Not too much. Say, what queen at? Well, she right here. Put her on the phone, right? <laughs> and, I already know, and I already know that means him and his gal got into it, right? And Queenie's that ear for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of people know my wife is a good woman, but my wife is a fair woman. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Right. 
So a lot of times when guys have issues with their woman, they'll call my wife, not to ask her to pick a side, but am I tripping? Am I tripping? Yeah. Right. She gonna tell them what they need to hear. Yeah, like, yeah. Not what they want to hear, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And they believe her. Because my wife don't make friends with most people's wives. So they 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 can ask Queenie that, and Queenie can give them an honest answer, and it won't be like, "Nah, you just saying that because that's your girl." And you know what I'm saying? No, my wife is very fair. Yeah. Right, it's, it's very very fair. Hey man, um, that's a good draft pick. <laughs> we saw, that was the you best, ain't miss on that. You ain't miss on that made. pick. <laughs> best no, pick no, you ever that, made. That, best that, pick and, you ever made. That, and that's a dynasty pick. There you go. There you go. Y'all got an empire. Y'all got an empire. Um, but the big five oh man, like, what does that milestone, what does that mean to Bun B? Obviously, it's different for everybody. Everybody's journey is different. But for you to hit 50, what did that mean? Mike, I can honestly sit here and say that I never considered it. I honestly never took living to 50 years old as a real consideration. I I had no idea whether or not I would live that long. I honestly had not prepared to live that long. I just happened to be blessed with a level of employment that can take care of me at 50 years old, but I didn't plan on making sure I was going to be taken care of at 50 years old. I was always planning to make sure I could take care of myself at whatever age I was. Right. And we're going to getting up and going to work is not even an option. Like that's going to happen. So being able to take care of myself at 50 for me just meant being physically able enough to get up and go work somewhere. Right. Right. I never would have predicted this life for me. I never would have predicted the, you know, the neighborhood I live in right now, nobody's ever lived like I live in my family. Nobody's ever been where I've been in my family. Nobody's ever remotely done or seen the type of things that I've been blessed to see, do, and be a part of. None of this shit was on the books. None of this. This was not right. on my, um, what do they call that? The fucking vision, vision, the, the vision board. Yeah, yeah. No, not even your no, wildest dreams. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I freaked out life, bro, for better or for worse. Um, because I had plans. I had plans at a young age. And then this rap shit fell in my lap. And all best was off. And I... I, I what were I those plans? Get, um, I was going to go to college. Um, I had a degree in... Okay, so in high school, I went up for... There used to be this um, energy plant called... A company called Amico. And Amico mm-hmm. had a scholarship... Um, in electrical engineering where they would pay for you to go to school for four years and you would get an entry-level position as soon as you graduated with the company. And I was in a running for it. But while I was in a running for it, I knew I was not going to college, right? I knew that I was primed because my counselor and a lot of people were priming me to be like an example of 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 academics in school, like as a black kid. And then when I told these people I was not going to go to college, I was going to rap. And this is in 1991. A lot of people felt let down because a lot of people had invested in me um, striving. But I knew I wasn't going to go. I knew I wasn't going to go to college. I had already made that decision. I hadn't told my mom of them yet, uh, (laughs) but I knew I was going to make that decision. And so 
my counselor, Ms. Thomas, was like, if you're not going to college, you need to drop out of this thing because Jaime Castaneda need that. You know what I'm saying? And Jaime was a good good friend of mine. He was a classmate of mine. Jaime was a Mexican immigrant and he had like, you know, seven brothers and sisters and he was the oldest. And he he needed that scholarship and that opportunity. It was going to guarantee him a job. He could go to college and his parents would have to be responsible for the majority of it. You know what I'm saying? And they were like, if you stay in this and you win this thing and you don't take it, he won't get it by default. Like it doesn't work that way, you know? And so I dropped out of it and I said, I'm gonna give this rap shit a shot. And I had another scholarship for, um, that, that I had accepted in drama. Cause that was really my real passion, right? Was, was drama. Um, and so that, but that was going to lead me to be an Aggie. I would have gone to San Jacinto college for two years and then transferred it. That's how the program worked. It was like a satellite program with a yeah. smaller university. And then you transfer, you moved up in the junior year. But that was another thing. It was like, man, I know I'm not finna do this shit. You know, right. I just know I'm not finna do this shit. I'm really going to do this music shit. Me and Chad going to go out here. We're going to give it a year. And if it don't work, you know, I'll take my ACT and then figure it out from there. You know, I'll retake mm-hmm. the test. I, I, I can ace it. That won't be a problem. And we'll just figure it out from there. And then within a year, I was in New York signing the Jive Records. Hmm. And at that point, there was no turn back. I went from a hobby to a career, Mike, in a year. Wow. Freestyle and freestyle life. And and here you are at 50, one of the greatest of all time. You you could have, you know, who could have thought? Who could have imagined? I will tell you, but but this is now. I'll be very honest. Like there was always a concerted. The only reason I wanted to rap is because I wanted to rap good. I didn't just want to be a rapper. I wanted to be one Mm -hmm. of the best. And so Mm -hmm. I, I moved past. Like I, I moved to the top of the city in the first year. Like I had only been rapping for about two and a half years when we signed a record deal. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I wanted, I wanted to be a better rapper than everybody around me. Cause I felt like I was built for it better. I felt like I knew more shit. Rap was about vocabulary and words and understanding it. And really, you know, having a, having a deep understanding of the English language. And I just felt like I knew more words than these niggas. I should be able to write a better rap, like period. And so the first rap was all words. It was trash, it had no nuance, no culture, nothing. It was just me rhyming a bunch of big words. And that shit fell apart very fast. And then, you know, I, and as I learned more about what rhymes should consist of, right? What should you actually be rapping about that people would actually want to hear? And that I learned a lot from from Chad because Chad was a very good people watcher, right? And people listener. And he could he understood exactly the kind of things that would make people, you know, like, what that motherfucker just say? Like that kind of a thing. He was very good. I getting people's attention. And so I just really, I, once I threw myself into it, there was, there was no turning back and there was nobody in my mind that I was going to let be better than me at that shit. Cause I wanted to be able to stand in front of like big daddy Kane and Kooji rap and, and K Reno and Scarface and people like that. And had them say, yo, you, you can actually really, really rap. Cause it was no money back then. Right. People had cars and jewelry and cribs and shit, but nobody was rich. No rapper was rich when I started yeah. doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
that wasn't the aspiration, right? The aspiration was to be taken serious amongst your contemporaries. And that's still something I aspire to be taken serious. Like nothing, nothing about this shit has ever, I've, I've made some fun records, but ain't none of this shit funny to me when it comes to this mm-hmm. rap shit. You are not, I'm not finna be playing with, a lot of my personal reputation is tied into this. And I'm not finna let you play with me with this because I'm not finna let you play with me with nothing else. You know, wise man once said, how you do one thing is how you do everything. How you do everything, yeah. So I feel like the, the rhyming is one thing, right? Like the lyrical ability that I have is one thing, but it's my tone. You know what I'm saying? I've always tried to talk to niggas like a, like your big brother, then like your daddy. Now I'm kind of like I'm I'm at the very I'm at least the cool uncle, right? But I'm the cool uncle because I was the uncle that you know really was outside getting down. You know what I'm saying? And he's trying to be chill about a lot of shit. I just want I just want people to get home. At the end of the day, I don't been around. I've seen a lot of shit, Mike. You from New Orleans? I just be wanting motherfuckers to get home. Amen. Because ain't nothing, it's bad enough when people don't make it home in in town. But when people got to go out of town and get their people and start asking questions out of town, it's bad, man. That shit's bad. And I'm responsible for people. Every time I take my people out of town, it's never about the money. It's never about the money. We'll leave all that money if we got to get home. Leave all that shit. But you know, my partner, my role manager, he had a heart attack on New Year's Eve. That phone call was rough, you know? Had a heart attack in the hotel, like four hours before the flight. Damn. And then we got to stay there. We got to call the wife. We got to call the mama. We got to pick people up from the airport. You know what I'm saying? Now, we here now. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. You know, but his family came and he was actually able to go home with his family. Spent a lot of situations, man, with a lot of different people where them folks didn't come home. And you you will never, ever not feel personally responsible for that. Because everybody that come on the road with me come to protect me. And I don't mean from secu- as security or nothing like that. They come to protect my reputation, my professional integrity. You know what I'm saying? They come to protect the way I take care of my family. Otherwise, they would be somewhere else doing what they would do. So when people are, are with me on my time, their life is in my hands, even though they may feel differently, right? No, man, I got partners that are getting in front of a bullet for me. I can't ask them to do that. That's not, not that's not part of the job description. That's just how we would do. And if this nigga was the rapper, I, I, I would do it for him. You know, mm-hmm. even if he ain't the rapper, if we on the road somewhere, somebody finna hurt my partner, I'm not finna let them hurt my partner yeah thank the secret service i ain't the president we here together people work with me they don't work for me not in that capacity i love that i love that i say that all the time i say that all the time um but so know, like, know, turning... we, come from, oh. we come from neighborhoods where that's you had to have your brothers back because there for could sure. potentially be somebody that wanted to kill one of us yeah, now, I don't think a lot of people understand that, right? People always had their head on a swivel. I, you know what I'm saying? But I never was afforded the luxury of not looking back, not checking corners. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. I'm not, right. I was never afforded that opportunity, and so, and I run with a lot of people that had to live like that. So, 
it's just inherent to, to watch your brothers back where I'm from. Yeah. So like with hip hop turning 50, um, this year, and I saw, <laughs> I saw you posted on Instagram a couple months ago. They had the top 50 rap groups of all time, and they had UGK at 20. And you captured it. You said, I could argue, but I won't. And then I think you would number like 43 uh, in terms of 50 greatest rappers of all time. Both those numbers feel low. With all due respect to everybody on that list, they both feel low. And I'm not guessing, you know, you know how much respect I got for you. Like, I was trying to, like, in my own mind, contextualize what you individually and what you and Chad, what you and Pimp C and UGK, what, what y'all meant, have meant to hip hop. And it was hard because it's such a different, different sound and a different story. And I won't even waste time trying to put into context and the perspective what UGK has meant to hip hop. It's one of y'all the most, if you know, you know, group I could think of. Are, are you, you <laughs> individually and you and you, y'all the most, if you know, you know. Like, how would you describe your place? And for that matter, you and Chad's place in the history of hip hop. I'm glad that there's a, you know, if this is the table, right? And obviously all this shit is objective. Like we have no idea who was in this room, what collective of people, what collective group of people came to this group decision and with these numbers. I have no way of knowing how these things operate. Typically in a room like that, you have, you know, you put 10 names on the board rank them from 10 to one and they take the, you know, the averages of that kind of a thing. I don't really know how they calculate these numbers, but if this is the table, right. And again, mm -hmm. this is all based on how billboard magazine employees or who they choose to look at as influencers and are, you know, holders of the culture, gatekeepers, if you will, if this is the table, I got a seat. Hell yeah. I know a bunch of motherfuckers that deserve a seat at the table. But if it's only 50 seats, everybody can't go. You hear the kids say it all the time. Everybody mm -hmm. can't go, Mike. Everybody yeah. can't go. And I know I stand on the shoulders of greatness. You know what I'm saying? I know the people that had it not been for them, there would be no us. But, you know, if, if, if I sat down and made a list of 50, I would probably make, you know, two-thirds of the country mad as hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's who I see, right? I'm good with where we at. There is, you know, there is proof that UGK affected this culture. You know, I'm, I heard Jermaine Dupree say, arguably, UGK may be the most influential group in rap music ever. He said, because you cannot go through many parts of hip hop right now and see remnants of Chad. If nothing else, take me and the music out of it, right? There are remnants of Pimp C and damn near every third rap interview you hear. You know what I'm saying? When 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 a rapper makes a million dollar, Pimp C smiles in heaven, right? Like, <laughs> like all of these things, the way they talk, they carry themselves, the way they hold, they chain, all of that shit, shit is endemic yeah. of him. And I was just glad to be shotgun. I already knew the nigga was a star. I said all my life, this man is a star, you know, yeah. and he's going to make it. You know, he, Chad was absolutely positively going to make a rap record, right? At the very least, that's all he ever wanted to do in his life was put a rap record on the shelf. And I was like, I'm going to just be there when he do it. You know what I'm saying? And 
I just stayed there. And I just was like, I'm going to be here. If anybody fuck with him, I got it, you know? And that was always what it was. You know, I knew I was going to be good, but I knew that his tongue was sharp, right? He cut you with his tongue so deep and so quick. You may not even know you're bleeding. Um, and I just wanted to be there to make sure that he was able to say everything he wanted to say, right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But he's not going to bite his tongue. And I'm not going to tell him to. You know, now, after he say what he say, I may go in the room and we might need to have a conversation about that. Right? But <laughs> nine times out of ten, he was telling the truth. And even if he wasn't telling the truth, you know what he meant. You know what he was getting at. You know, yeah. But no, man, you look all through, particularly Southern hip hop culture, right? It is impossible for people to feel like they're doing something out here without emulating some aspect of Pimp C's character or talent, and that's just what it was. And with me, I was just really like, I just wanted to be like a human pit bull. Like, just don't fuck with dude. Whatever Mike Tyson was in this world, that's what I wanted to be in this rap shit. You know, appreciated and respected, but not, don't do, just don't, please don't turn him on because he won't turn off. Don't turn him on. And I don't know tough guy shit, but I can handle my own, don't get me wrong. But if I really, really don't want you to rap better than me on a song, you won't. You just won't. I'm not saying you can't rap better than me Thanks. at any other given time, but if I'm on a song with you, you're not going to rap better than me. I'm sorry. It just don't Thanks. work like that. Yeah, you and and the two of y'all take a backseat to nobody. Now, in terms of lists, we know what the number one best burger in America is, and that is Trill Burgers. Bun yes. B is 10 toes down in this restaurant business. How do you compare the rap game to the restaurant game? And I just wonder, like, what kind of restaurateur is Bun B? And I might be the only person who hasn't had a Trill Burger yet. I, I haven't yeah, had one you, yet. Everybody but me has had one. You're, you're lacking, bro. You're lacking in your back. <laughs> not having this I'll be very honest, Mike. I saw no difference. I saw no difference because rappers tend to believe that they're in the entertainment industry, but we're not. We're in the service industry. Mm -hmm. We have a product that we present to people, and we have to present it well, every time or people will no longer buy into the product. And so that's what I did with this burger. I looked at this burger as an album. I took it on promo, right? Now, when you're on promo, you got to pay to be in some of the rooms sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we did. We went to a music festival. We paid to be in the room. But I got partners in the rooms. I had my partners try to, you know, listen to my album. My partners co-signed my album. Like, this motherfucker is jamming. And we, when he in town, come out and check him out. And then we went to another music festival and another music festival and places like that. I didn't have a brick and mortar. This this started as a pop-up concert. So in order yeah. for me to, in order for people to get the burger, there was nowhere for them to come to get it. So I had to bring the burger to them. And we just took it on promo tour. And then when we got to Good Morning America, that's like winning Best New Artist Grand. Now you got to pay me to come. It's not promo no more. You know what I'm saying? Now festivals are asking for us. Hey, man, can you guys come and do our music festival? Because it's a welcome addition, right? My my burger company has as much culture, or if not more, than the average artist at a fucking music festival anyway. 
my burger is more representative of what hip hop culture was really meant to do for people in communities of color, disenfranchised people. This burger is taking me out of, taking me from literally a tent and a grill to a brick and mortar restaurant. Then the same way that rap took me out of my mama house and helped me buy my mama house. You know what I'm saying? This burger yeah, is man. culture, it's culinary, right? It's food, but and it's A1, but it's also infused with 31 years of blood, sweat, and tear equity that I put into this hip hop community. And so this burger represents my life, my work, my pain, all of that shit. And that's why people staying outside in a hundred degree weather, you know what I'm saying? Not just because the burger is good, because if the burger wasn't good, they'd only do it once. Yeah. Right. They'd only do it once, but they know the burger is good, but people actually feel like coming in the trail burgers and buying this burger is a continuation of the support that they've given the Bun B, Pimp C, UGK, Houston's hip hop community, Port Arthur, Texas, to be very specific, and this country, yep. right? You know who loves this more than anybody, Mike? Old black women. Hmm. And I and it's twofold. That's One, good morning, good morning, America's primary audience is fifty-five and up, right? So it's it's on their radar, but it's a young black man winning in this world in a space that they typically only ever seen white people be and have this level of success and momentum. I didn't have to shoot a basketball to get this money. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't have to run a football. I didn't have to do that. Yeah, rap is a part of it, but this burger stands on its own because I ain't there every day. So if they're only coming to see me and they stick their head in the door and ain't in there, they're going to leave. If that's all I'm they coming want. I'm coming down there. I'm coming to get this trail burger with a Hawaiian punch lemonade. I love this for you, Bun. You are hip hop. You are the culture. Uh, congratulations on everything, brother. And hit me up. I'm going to help you get out of this fantasy hole you dug. So it's not that bad, but I got you. It's We're going to win this league. Every, every team is a work in progress. Yes, sir. And I, I appreciate and, and you, brother. There's no cheat code here because Joe Budden came with a committee. Joe Budden and I are the worst two teams in this league based on their record. I have an excuse because this is a seven-year league and I've only been playing three. Right? So I still I can still technically turn this thing around. I have a better chance of turning my record around than he does because I've played less games. He's got yeah. a longer fight. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. let's. I, I'm, I'm up with playing this season by committee. Let's go. All right. All right, I'll give you a holler. Bun B, Trill OG. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right. Y'all already know me. So y'all know how much of a hardcore fantasy football player I am. Um, But I never played Dynasty until really this year. Uh, This is my first season playing Dynasty. I've always been a redraft guy. Uh, and for those that don't know, Dynasty is when you roster players year-round and you manage a roster year-round. In other words, you never turn fantasy off, much to the chagrin of my wife. Whereas redraft, you pick a different team every year, and when the year's over, you lose those players and you start over again the next year. Maybe you might have keepers or something like that. But Dynasty is like hardcore, right? And I've always been curious about it. I wanted to do it, but I could never find the right group of people to do it with. Well, I found the right group of people to do it with, and not only did I find them and fall in love with them uh, and become obsessed with the Yacht Club League, uh, but three of those guys in particular I identified as people who I thought could do a Dynasty podcast. And if you notice, there's a lot more Dynasty content out there these days. So, uh, And you may have heard already, I announced it all on my social media, and and the press release has been out, and, and there's been coverage about it. I launched a podcast network uh, through my content company, through my production company. My production company is Inflection Point Entertainment. Uh, My podcast network is the Inflection Network. Uh, And it's an iHeart podcast network. And the second podcast out of the gate is Michael Smith Presents the Dynasty Exchange. And coming up next, I'm going to introduce you to the three hosts of Michael Smith Presents the Dynasty Exchange. And I promise you, that you will feel like I did. You will love these guys, and you will wish you were in their league. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, say hello to my guys from Michael Smith Presents the Dynasty Exchange. From left to right, Davis Nuemi in the middle, Dylan Egloff, and to your right, Josh Walsh. Uh, They are the co-commissioners of the most hardcore fantasy league I've ever been a part of, and that's saying something. And that's Jerry Jones's Yacht Club. Fellas, what's happening? What's going on, man? What's going on? Amazing. What's up, what's man? What's going, what's going on? What you think? Oh, let's, I go. Got, oh. let's go. Oh, oh. oh. The merch. Hey, man, that's that better right. be in the mail for me. That yes, be sir. In the mail. I, I got I to get, get y'all sizes. I got to get y'all sizes, <laughs> but I want to debut it with you guys. Like, if y'all wasn't already official, Y'all, oh, real, y'all official, official, right? Oh, you like it? Oh, my God. That's special. It's, it's, clean, it's clean, right? It's clean, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, That's I'm been so, fantastic. I'm so proud of y'all. I'm so happy to be with y'all. Um, uh, I, I think the podcast is going fantastic. And again, everybody, uh, check it out on the iHeartRadio app, wherever you get your podcast, and on the Inflection Network uh, YouTube channel. The thing I want to know, because I know – what's going on in my household. I want to know how your wives feel about me. Start with you, Josh. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> Larissa's always been supportive. I, I truly did marry up. I married my better half. And I just love saying to her when I'm watching football, babe, I'm working. 
And she just gives me the big eye roll and she's like, Mike's calling again, isn't, isn't he? And so she's, <laughs> she's very understanding, but I just love the leverage getting to do a show has provided me because I was already obsessive and now people yeah. have appreciated my obsessiveness. And so I just get to further entrench myself in, in an unhealthy habit. She, she has a, a little towel. She brings out every football season that says we interrupt this marriage for football. So she's, I'm very That's blessed. She gets it. She's understanding. So pretty positive from her. Dylan, uh, I, I know not to disturb date night on Wednesday nights, but other than that, uh, is, is, has the missus just come to accept how, how much I'm just going to blow up your phone? She has, and that's what, as long as you respect date night, she loves that. She admires that so much. She's like, <laughs> I love that. Like, you'll call me and you'll be like, oh, you know what? It's date night. I forgot. Sorry about that. And when I tell her that, she, it makes everything so much better. So I think just that alone helps her support this whole thing. Now, football season hasn't gotten underway yet, so we'll see because I'm a college yeah. football nut. So I'm 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 yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, so we'll see. But she's very supportive and excited for it. So the fact, as long as you guys respect date night, we're chilling. Now, as for Davis, Davis, and this is not going to surprise you guys, Josh and and Dylan. Davis has used his wife to try hey. to close deals with me. Like he has enlisted the help of his <laughs> wife to sweet talk me. And which, which trade was it when she got on the phone and said, Mike, just do the deal. It might've been Bijan. It might've been Bijan. Might've been the one-on-one trade. If now, if that's not out kicking your coverage, Davis, I don't know what is. <laughs> Man. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's not talk about Josh in here talking about trying to leverage his wife. <laughs> he's saying <laughs> he's trying to leverage fantasy football no but um she's hardcore she has no idea what's going on on the football field but she wants me to win and so she said babe <laughs> the 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 amount of time that you're putting into it all i need is for you to win and i'm like all right babe so i have her support if i need her to close a deal i'll i i will bring her in the room with with like mike and myself but it's cool just to have her kind of be be a part of it i'm actually going to be in, in a league with her this year so It'll be fun to see things kind of. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Wait, you're gonna be in a league with her? Y'all call? Y'all gonna be co-owners? Co-owners, co-owners, co-owners. Yeah. Okay. That feels toxic. That feels toxic, Dave. It could be toxic. I I don't know about that. Hey, I'm I'm gonna let her draft, and then and then we will see where things go. Dude, y'all gonna need some marriage counseling. Like, there's a lot of things I will share with my wife. I will not share a fantasy. I I don't like co-owners in general. Like, y'all know this because wait, Dylan, you have a co-owner in this league, in Yacht Club. I do. And it, yeah. it pisses me off when you and I have a trade. <laughs> and we've made dozens of trades. No disrespect to your co-owner. We've made dozens of trades this year. You and I are the most prolific trade partners ever. We might as well have been co-owners. But every time we got a deal, like, let me check my co-owners. I'm like, damn it, dude. <laughs> like, it's, it's just it's such an impediment to business getting done, Dave, Dylan. It is. It's a holdup. And I love my co-owner. He's one of my best friends. But at times, he's been a liability. Because when I'm not available, oh, he, he has. does not check with me. And he may have shipped <laughs> off our best player at one point. So co-owners are a liability, but you're right. Whenever I kind of use it, I'm not going to lie. I use it as a cop-out sometimes when I need to think about it a little bit. I'm like, let me check with my co-owner. But Oh, so it's an empty chair. Josh, it's an empty Mike, chair wow. thing. He just, he just oh, exposed sure. himself, Josh. Let me check yeah, with no, my co-owner like, means you really don't want to do it. Oh, okay. It's like when you were a little kid and it was like, mom, I don't want this kid to come over. Cause he's like, Hey, can I come hang over at your house? And it's like, uh, let me check with my mom. Mom say no. Mom say no. Exactly that's, that's how Dylan uses Trey. So um, it's uh, that is it may look bad from the outside, but it works behind the scenes. I think.
Davis, you got to keep us posted on how this works with the, I mean, because, well, that's better than competing with your wife. Competing with your wife might, you know, need some, you know, some trial yeah. separation there. I will say, on, like, no. Co-owner, maybe, maybe it's a way to bring her in it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we we are now pickleball uh, partners as well, and that was not successful. Oh, nice. So I'm not sure how great we're going to be as partners when it comes to things competitively, but in a marriage, we're great. Well, she goes to see a different side of you probably because she knows it from the other side. You know, she, she's got to understand what it takes to have a 99 on keep trade cut. So Man, I, we're going to get um, to the, how we all came together, how I came to meet you guys in a second. But I feel like I don't know if, if, if Josh and Dylan truly understand how frequently Davis and I talk about the 101. When I first got into the league and we expanded to 14 teams to bring me into the league, and part of that expansion was giving me and the other expansion team the 101 and the 102 in the rookie draft. I got the 101 thanks to a coin flip in the Seahawks 49ers playoff game. And I talked from that moment on, I talked to Davis every day, several times a day, for several hours at a time, because my man would not rest until he secured the opportunity to draft B. John Robinson. And then Davis later told me that, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, make sure I get these facts straight. He has the record for quickest or shortest amount of time to foul out of a college basketball game in his conference. Yep. And he has the all-time record for most technical fouls in his conference. So that's, that's who the value king is. Yep. He, like, in a season. Okay, in a season. So when you want something, season. you go get it. You, and you got yeah. it. You, sure enough, you got the one-on-one. I did. I did. And we spent damn near probably an hour a day on the phone um from kind of back and forth like you know there would be situations where i'd hear from mike like you know what it just seems like this isn't going to work out sure enough the next day i would be on his line like hey mike i still want the one-on-one he's like i know you do but i need you to come to my price but it's just hey man you just gotta be passionate about things in life if you want it exactly i'm gonna I'm a get your guy kind of guy as y'all know and we'll get to that in a second but oh, yeah, we let's, let's kind of start from the beginning <laughs> um <laughs> let's start from the beginning because I know, you know, my, going back to my wife, uh, just to close that loop real quick, she was like, I thought fantasy was just in the fall. I'm like, nah, baby, this is dynasty. This is a different level. This is, I don't, I, I, like, I just, I don't, I've been missing this my whole life. And Davis, Dylan, and Josh are the friends I always needed to do this kind of league. But Josh, start with you. And within this answer, please kind of just tell the story of the Yacht Club League. And then, I, and then I'll talk about how you and I met later uh, in a moment, I should say. What does it mean to be in this moment and to have a podcast? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's surreal. Like we had always planned on doing a show on taking the next step in the evolution of Jerry Jones Yacht Club, but you have been gasoline on a fire and quickly turned us into a bonfire. So it's been really, really cool. Um, it's definitely different because the biggest challenge I'm having now is I want to put takes out there. I want to cater to listeners. I'm sure Davis and Dylan can relate to this, but I don't want to, I don't want to give away all my secrets. I don't want to tell everyone all my strategies. So that's, <laughs> that's been a little bit different, but in terms of just being as the commissioner and, and wanting the league to grow, um, I couldn't be more ecstatic. It's, it's super cool. And we always wanted to build the best fantasy league on earth. I mean, the difference between 22 guys, on a field just playing football on Sunday and the actual NFL is the pageantry and the tradition that's put into it. And so in everything we do with the yacht club, we're always looking for how do we create something that's long lasting, that increases the pageantry, that increases the level of playing 
just as owners. So it's been it's been really, really exciting. Dylan, when I first met Josh, the thing that convinced me that I had to find a way to get in this league was when he told me that y'all had an internal podcast that y'all were already doing, like an owners-only podcast. I'm like, these dudes are hardcore. Like, I thought I was into this shit. Like, these dudes, they go, they, they next level with it. Yeah, the, the internal podcast was, it literally stemmed from our league is so different in the sense of that we have so many guys that are bought into fantasy on a whole different level, which again, you've alluded to, that's part of why you wanted to join the league. And so us doing the internal podcast was just an opportunity for us to make things even more interesting. We have like rankings for our league. We'd go through previews of teams each week. We'd go through the matchup preview. So it was just another outlet for us to be even more of degenerates in the fantasy football realm. <laughs> Davis, yeah. uh, you are, you are the author of the power rankings that nobody asked for, which everybody yeah. now asks for. So we can argue about yeah. them. <laughs> Uh, within the league but honestly Davis what what this has done is replaced franchise mode for me like this league has everything but every league needs a bad guy every guy every league needs somebody that's wearing a black hat you just so happen to be wearing yeah. a black hat today but every every league needs a villain right. and you, you are definitely that guy in the yacht club yeah man and I mean the biggest thing about it is people hate that my team is successful right they hate that i get deals done they hate that i go out of like a press conference it's like a football life a football life starring davis new so look, <laughs> this is great oh, gosh. Look, i've already hold up a second we've had two episodes out now um or you know we've had a, a like a couple episodes out for our podcast and it's already been used against me in any trade negotiation <laughs> that I have that, no, Davis, I know what your strategy is. I know what your plan is. There's a Davis tax in the league. Look, at the end of the day, I feel like this is just fun because it is like an outlet for us to be obsessed about something that we love and to be passionate. And I know, Mike, you've talked about in the past how like you grew up and love playing like Madden, right? Where you had franchise mode, you would tear things down just to then build it back up. He said it past tense. (laughs) (laughs) He's still doing it. He's still doing it. But so, I mean, that's us doing it, but on a daily basis, right? Like there literally are trades where I'm calling Mike. I'm like, Mike, I have the itch. I've got the itch. Mm -hmm. Like we need to get a deal done. And he's like, all right, man, well, Let's find some out. But that's the thing, too, that I think I've just become the bad guy because I'm not willing. <laughs> like, there is no um, there's no extent that I'm not willing to go to to get a deal done. I am willing to um, turn yeah. over every stone. I'm willing to put the work in just because I love it, yeah. man. I mean, like, that's why we do it. And that, I think, is what's is what's exciting about this podcast, because we get to put that passion on display. No, I mean, we went through about a three-day stretch where I wasn't speaking to you. Um, but, 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 but Dylan, Dylan, what is the Davis tax? So the Davis tax is something that was implemented whenever Davis <laughs> built a team that was, you know, relatively strong. But also, it's, it's, a ta- it's a dual tax, right? A dual tax because his team is good, but also because Davis is Davis. And I've kind of coined this term of Davis tax where if he comes to me for a trade, there's automatically going to be a tax that I will charge him that I would not charge everyone else. Mike, you had to talk <laughs> me off of a cliff of a trade yep. that Davis sent me. It wasn't a bad trade, but it, and if anyone else had sent me that trade, it would have been a smash except, yeah. but there was a trade yeah. offer that, that Davis had sent me in, in, in our, uh, in the yacht club. And I, I was, I was about to decline it straight up about to decline it. And then at one point Mike called me and was like, bro, you've got to take this trade. And then he straight up asked and, me if and, this and wasn't for the Davis. Record, right. What did I, what did I say? 
you said, if this wasn't Davis, would you take this trade? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, right. But, but and Davis didn't ask me to step in. Davis did nope. not ask me to step in. For the record, he did. I, th- I, th- I just stepped in because I thought it was the best thing for your franchise. And I just wanted to see a good trade get made. But Walsh, the thing I love about the yeah, the thing I love about this league so much, and the reason why I think this podcast is going to be successful, uh, is the action never stops. Like, the Yacht Club is its own source of news. Like, it never rests. Like, and that's the purpose of Dynasty, to be able to manage teams all offseason. But even the, the league break, we broke that this se- this offseason. <laughs> like, we didn't even last very yeah. long. Like, because it was a moratorium on transactions, and yeah, you had to yeah. lift it, Josh, because nobody yeah, wants no, to stop. It- I am I'm a legalist at heart and I try to write airtight rules because of Mr. Davis Noemi. If there's not something written in concrete, he will find the loophole. Um, but it, it, the action's nonstop because the owners, Davis isn't the only one who's like that. He might be the most out loud about it, that he wants to be playing all the time. But if uh, we even have a, a counter that, that goes off that says days without a deal in Yacht Club. Because usually we don't go like three or four days without some type of trade being made. And so when you have that type of energy, it, it has to go somewhere, right? So the podcast is just another outlet for us to kind of digest all the news we're dealing with as owners. So it's, it's been a blessing in that regard as well. I, I don't remember which week it was. It was toward the end of the season when uh, I was in Seattle for Thursday Night Football for Amazon. And uh, Josh, I feel like we had said hello before. You're very professional. You always wore the sunglasses uh, as part of the crew uh, for Amazon. And I get in the van and you drove me to the Seahawks facility and it's just the two of us. Uh, Cause yep. I was going to meet with, you know, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, you know, do my thing. And I'm in a good mood because you know, my redraft league, which by the way, I'm now out of, because once you get a taste of the yacht club, no other league compares. So I'm like, you know what? I'm good guys. But that league, I was crushing it. And I'm sitting up there bragging, talking about how the birds are singing and food tastes better and the sun is shining brighter. Cause I'm kicking ass in my league. And Josh playing it cool, just, you know, just driving, just, you know, yep, that's nice, that's nice. I'm like, man, I'm the transaction king. Nobody outworks me. Nobody outhustles me. He's like, dude, got bad news for you. He gets to talking about this league that has the internal podcast, it has a charter, uh, this 12-team Superflex League, um, and I'm just like, yo, I got to get in this league. How do I get in it? And Davis, your brother-in-law and one of the other members of the Yacht Club, Basil, Mm -hmm. At the time, he had the worst roster in the league. And so in order for me to get in the league, y'all were like, hey, maybe Basil will sell Michael his team. And Basil said $10,000. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? But honestly, <laughs> as insane as that price is, as insane as that price is, if I'd know, if I'd have known then what I know now, I might have figured out a way to pay it. If, he, if he'd actually <laughs> wanted $10,000, because this league experience has been priceless. Like, I spend more time on sleeper and tree, keep trade cut throughout the day than I care to admit. And, and I know I'm not alone no, in that, Davis. No. It's bad. No, I mean, it's bad. Uh, like, especially when I feel like you and I call each other and we're like, man, I was just about to call you because it's the obsession yeah. that goes into it randomly at 10 p.m. at night and then 1 a.m. for you because you're on Eastern time. No, and there's no end that um, 
to what we're doing on a, on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, yeah Mike, I, I, I just think that that's where you came into a league where everybody carried the same passion that you carry about fantasy football, but instead of doing it eight months, nine months out of the year, you had the opportunity to do it 365, 24, seven, right. Or 24, seven, 365. Yeah. Yep. Everybody is into it. Like it, it, and if you're not, you're getting left behind Dylan, then Josh, how do we take this passion? Cause the challenge for me, as I guess the executive producer of this podcast, if you want to call it, call it, call it that is there's so much content out there, so much fantasy content, so much dynasty content. I can't say that I listen to all of it, but a lot of it feels very similar. Okay. The challenge for me is trying to cut through and to make something different. And I really feel like that adage uh, that we've often had in media, nobody cares about your league or nobody cares about your team. I want to challenge that. I want to I, I want to I want to change that. I think I think we can convince people to care about you guys, to care about this league and still relate to them on a generic and a broad and a universal way about um, dynasty leagues and roster decisions. Like, what do you want this podcast to be, Dylan? And, and, and where do you think we could take this thing? Yeah, I think that philosophy kind of sums up exactly what all three of us have kind of talked about Um even leading up to the, well, all four of us really have talked about it leading into going into the podcast. I think our whole premise is we want to add value, but we want to do it in, within the context of a league at least, because there's a lot of general content that's given out there of go get this player, go get that player, pick up this guy, trade for this guy. But we, what we talk about, and we've talked about it on the, on the show actually is like league economies are so different and without a tangible uh, representation of what a league is doing, I may be able to trade, zay flowers for five seconds in this league but in another league he may not go for that exact amount so kind of giving a value in context and i think you're 100 correct with adding the yacht club content context to everything it helps us just kind of put paint a picture for people to kind of see how we run our league what we do the types of transactions that are going on um, and then giving our analysis based off of that we're all in other leagues as well so we kind of maybe bake, yeah, yeah. maybe bake that in as well um, but I think the premise of it would be to, yeah, just just give that value within context. Josh, I think we could be like a reality show, I, I feel, or, or even a scripted show. Like, not not <laughs> not that we're gonna, you know, get in character, but I do think people can get invested in these characters, if you will. Does that make sense, Josh? No, I mean, first and foremost, the reason I had such confidence to break character and lose the professionalism and talk to you in Seattle was because I know and believe in all the characters that make up Jerry Jones Yacht Club. There isn't one owner that takes the entire spotlight. We talk about Davis being the value king, a bit of a villain. Dylan's kind of a, a you know, an unlucky or a unlikely hero this season. He's <laughs> built a team. Guy. <laughs> no, not unlucky. Well, unlucky with one trade, but um, all the guys in our league are just such stars and I love playing fantasy with them. And I think that people are going to be able to identify with different owners as, as they get to know them over time. And I think where we're trying to be different in the space is that most shows that I listen to, and I love a lot of shows out there. I love a lot of, you know, analysis, but if you were to treat it like poker, I feel like a lot of guys are just telling me that a Royal flush is better than a straight, like this player is better than that player. No one's telling me how do I play the hand I've currently been dealt? Because in Dynasty, 
All of us do it in the first couple of years of a dynasty league. When you first start up, most people treat it like redrafts and we're not going to tell you how to start from scratch and like, Oh, just forget about that league. No, we're going to tell you how to build your league into something you want to be a part of even during the rebuilding process. You know, in Yacht Club, I'm probably not going to be competitive for the, ne the next year or two if I stick to my strategy, but I, my passion isn't diminished because I love the guys I play with and I can't wait in a couple of years to dunk on them because I was patient and disciplined and did what was best for my franchise. Josh is tanking for 2025. Um, he's got, is it 10 right now? 10 of the 14 first rounders I mean, in 2025? If, if you hit accept in your, in your inbox right okay, now, let's be go there. No, no, but, it's, no, know, no, 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 please, let's yeah, go I, there. Well, I don't, I don't know if you've checked it yet. It's not in my inbox because I declined. You had the nerve to put a clock <laughs> on a trade. Like, I declined that in two seconds, okay? But, but, but you got to put a clock to on every trade. Oh, expose him. I got to hear this. You can't, you, can't put a, you can't put a clock on a shitty trade. First of all, I know you got your fingers crossed that Caleb Williams doesn't come out in 24, so you can get him in 25. That would be great. And I know you're trying to have the infinity gauntlet of 25 picks. Okay, guys, let's, let's go below deck. Let's go below deck. This was the trade I love that Josh put in my inbox overnight. Now, I had inquired about George Pickens, who Josh thinks hung the moon and the stars. But that doesn't mean I got to give you heaven and earth for him, okay? Mm. So last night, Josh offered me George Pickens – and two twenty-four thirds. Can't mm. forget the thirds for Marvin Mims, Jake Ferguson, and my twenty-five first. Come on, Josh, bro. Like what, really? What do you mean? Josh, so what is the thought process that goes into that? First and foremost, we we already <laughs> had a framework of a deal. Mike it did not include Marvin Mims. No, it did not include Marvin Mims. No, no. Here's, here's what happened. <laughs> this is where the podcast being new and being public is a problem. I was recording last night and I started to talk about Marvin Mims being a preseason winner. And I started to hype myself up like, I really like this guy. And so I was like, I need to send a trade to Mike before he hears the show, because then he's going to know how much I value Marvin Mims. Unfortunately, the... you're very well read and you valued Marvin Mims correctly. I was trying to pull a fast one on you. I, I can't be faulted for that, but we've been talking about Pickens for a while. You said, what do I need to do for Pickens? What do I need to do for Pickens? And we've discussed your 25 first and maybe a we player have discussed or two. My 25 so first. I just, yes. I shot my we shot have... and I see okay. the prices you're getting, you know, you're, you're sending Davis, you're giving him five <laughs> seconds for Zay flowers. And so I'm like, Hey, why should I not? Why do you keep for the saying that? You know like, I mean? that's not a good, that's, that's not a good trade. And George Pickens, trade. maybe I value Zay flowers. more. So you know what the problem is, Josh, you want people to look at George Pickens the way you look Tell at him. George Pickens. I do. And that's not the case. That's not the case. Like I, I like George Pickens. He's great for a highlight. I don't know that George Pickens is going to be as productive fantasy wise as Zay Flowers is going to be. Facts. Five seconds is different from Mims, my twenty-five first, and Jake Ferguson, Dill Davis, right? No, I agree. Davis. And Josh, Josh, it seems as though you want people to be bought in as much as you are into all the players that are on your roster. And if you are not getting the <laughs> price for those players. You're like, oh, no, there's no <laughs> shot. I, I literally sent you an offer last night that I thought was very fair, and I get the no shot. I'm like, all right. What was the bet. offer? So, what was the offer? Okay, if, if you want to talk offers, all right, I sent him a Rasheed Rice, Michael Mayer, and then probably the 201 for a Christian Watson, which I think is a fair, fair equivalent of value. And he said, no shot, not a chance that I do that, which I don't think is a crazy offer. Yeah. I think in a value standpoint, I sure it doesn't, it doesn't wow you. But what I'm saying is right. that for you to say no shot, you're acting like Christian yeah. Watson has already blown up. I, I, he's a guy that showed promise, but it's not like 
he's unequivocally a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. So why not but take see, a, you know. And, and that's, not a, that's not bad. But this is why Dylan and I get deals done more than anybody in this league. All right. Like sometimes Dylan and I even got to talk about it. We don't have to negotiate. It's just like we, 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 we here. Okay. Yep. And all jokes aside, Josh, I get it. Because you're in real estate, and I've used this comparison with you before. Like, there's what Keep Trade Cut says is a fair trade, right? There's what the league economy, as y'all like to call it. I heard y'all talking shit about me in episode three. I heard, I heard it, Josh. <laughs> there's the league economy and what the league economy is and all that kind of stuff. But there's also what it takes to get somebody to sell their house when the house is not for sale. So Correct. your opinion of George Pickens is valid insofar as what it would take to get George Pickens from you. Whereas Chris, Christian Watson, Davis, Rasheed Rice, Michael Mayer, and a, and a projected early second may add up value-wise, but you mm-hmm. also have to get that person to give it up. So when it comes to Zay Flowers, which to me, five seconds for Zay Flowers made sense because Zay Flowers was the 109. I get the player. I get the player, whereas Davis is getting the unknown of picks. So I have to overpay in the form of picks in order to get Davis to give up the player I want. So I don't, so I just have a fundamental problem, Dylan, and you know this with the term overpay. What are you willing to give to get what you want? That's how I approach it. It's such a subjective. Yeah. It's such a subjective thing, right? And overpay, because like we talked about league economy, what you actually, how you personally value the player. Like there's so many things that go into that. And like you said, like that's one of the things why you and I get so many trades done is because we understand that and we understand each other. And we understand like, if you're coming for a guy that I don't necessarily need to, or want to move off of, then I'm not going to give him Mark. I'm not going to give him to you for market value, quote unquote. Right. Like we talked about Miles Sanders the other day in one of the leagues that we're in. Right. I'm, I'm contending. So a player like Miles Sanders, I don't want to move off. Will I move off of him for the right price? Absolutely. Anybody is available for the right price. But if I'm contending, then I'm not going to give up a player at market value just because that's fair, right? If you put it into KTC and it's blue, that doesn't necessarily do it for me. So I think it's it's completely subjective. And I see Davis smirking over there. He is, he is KTC king over there. And value adds up. That's how it justifies it. He's he, he's conveniently KTC king. <laughs> conveniently. That is true. Because yeah, Dalton, because if you put trade. if you put six seconds in for Dalton Kincaid, that is not a fair trade according <laughs> to KTC Davis. <laughs> but that's what you would need for Dalton Kincaid to get moved. Look, man, KTC is just the point of I'm going to use that as a tool so that I can find leverage in the deal. So if I'm speaking somebody's love language when I'm when we're talking about fantasy trades and they want to see something in the blue. I'll, I'll find a way to put in the blue. I'll throw a fourth in there or something to, to then get it done. But I do want to talk briefly, Mike, about what you just said, defining like an overpay. And then you have Dylan who's supporting you. I don't necessarily agree because here's the definition of an overpay is if you're spending the resources and the assets, and I've said this to you before, that you do not have. And I'm not saying for you specifically, I'm saying just in dynasty football, if you are just spending and paying more than what you have, eventually that bank, is going to run it's going to run out when you say like when you, you say more than what out. you have there's no such thing as credit here i'm confused because Sorry, not i wouldn't more be able to spend it have. if i didn't have okay. it more than what you can afford to give up 
if you're like a shallow team, team and you're yes and i'm talking yeah. specific to your team yes we're not talking about okay. credit but i'm talking about if you are a shallow team as is or if you are really banking sure. on those picks an expansion to team. add to the depth of your an expansion team exactly what we're talking about you more often than not in my mind at least mm -hmm. should be winning those trades by accruing the value not taking the value to plant your flag on players that have not played a snap yet in the NFL. So if you're going to be taking those assets, go get a player that's already done it. But Mike, I, I will say you have been right about players throughout this preseason where you planted your flag in the past. And I'll use a second on Sean Tucker, who at the time we were like, what are you doing? But look now, Sean Tucker is, is splitting work with a Rashad white. So it's Mike is, is good at seeing something before it's come to fruition. So who knows? Zay Flowers might be a top 10 dynasty wide receiver by, by so the end of the an, season. And those five seconds mean nothing. Then? Is that an overpay then? Like, so if five seconds, is that the an time overpay it if it actually pays off? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it, no, that's I, what makes it I, If it pays off, no. Tough. Yeah. I need to sure. jump in ahead, here John. really quickly. Yeah. An overpay does exist. And what Davis is alluding to is if you are tr like, it's fun to, I get it. It's fun to plant your flag. It's fun to be the guys like, I went and got my guy. Is that player? is that thing going to directly lead you to a championship? Because if the answer is no, you overpaid. If you spend the majority of your resources on a single thing, if you are pot committed to one move, that move needs to work out. It needs to produce value. My issue with the Zay Flowers trade for five seconds is not only that that's- Is because you didn't get the trade down no for comp. George Pickens. Correct, that I'm a little <laughs> selfish. Um, but the other, but the other thing is like, are you a Zay Flowers away from a championship? What is Zay Flowers' range of outcomes? I think he's a great player, but it certainly seems like at best he's the number two behind Mark Andrews for targets. So when you when you look at that, that's where I think an overpay takes place because it has to fit your strategy. You might not even be trying to contend for a championship, but at least needs to be a guy you believe can turn into a foundational piece. And so okay. I agree with Davis that there is such thing as an overpay. So, so here's, here's where I'm coming from with it, all right? Now, I'm an expansion team, and I've made more trades than I can track at this point, and this, is, this doesn't include the context of who has been on my team. So I'm not suggesting that my team is any better off now than it could have been with different iterations. I'm laying this out to make a larger point about this league and why it's so awesome. On my roster right now, from the 23 rookie draft, I have this year's 103, 104, 205, 109, 203, and 202. I did not execute those picks. The only one I executed out of all those picks was the 104. The reason I bring that up is here's my philosophy. Now, I'm, I'm giving away free game. Here's my philosophy on draft picks. It's pretty much this way me and Davis, we vibe. F them picks. Because when I traded the five picks for Zay Flowers, I had six seconds. I traded five of them because there was a player I wanted and a player I believed in, and he was the 109. My point in running down who I now have on my roster is this. I can, like, picks do one of three things. They either make your portfolio look sexy on keep trade cut. Mm -hmm. They sit there until that draft rolls around. Or you spend them in the meantime. So if they're not going to help me and they're just going to sit there between, I guarantee you between now and the 24 and definitely the 25 draft, 
I'll be able to get back in the draft. I'll be able to get – I'm not trading first. I'm trading second-round picks, third-round picks. I can get those picks back because, as Josh likes to say, I'm a day trader. So my attitude is, okay, I see something I want. I got to pay to get it. I can't just say, here's two seconds for a guy that was the 109, Dave. It's like, sure. what is the right price? No, and, so having well, six, and, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go, Mike. No, and – No, 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 you got it. The thing about that, though, is – you have the player whose value is going to go up as soon as he is yes. on the field. For me, the reason why I wanted to do that is because it gives me flexibility and I trust my right. ability to go spend those seconds correctly. So while right. it technically you could, could afford be an to, you could afford to sacrifice and I could afford to do well. that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. to to like to your point, those seconds. No, I'm probably not going to make those picks. Actually, I'll tell you, I'm not going to make those picks, but I trust no. myself to do the work to go spend those to possibly yes. add to the level of players that I have on my team. But for you, there's going to be a point in time where he hits this year and you can get 224 first um, for him probably. So right. then you just turn five seconds, which are not nearly as valuable, into two firsts, which have a higher hit rate. So I hear you on that. Sorry to cut you off, yeah. but... No, 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 that's, that's okay. So having said all that, Josh, were you coming at me with the 25 first Marvin Mims and Jake Ferguson because you think I'm a sucker and I'm just going to overpay for everybody? Or is that realistically <laughs> what you're looking no, for for George Pickens? I, I truly believe something <laughs> is worth what someone is willing to pay. And I've just learned with certain people, you have to start high and let, let them work you down. Um, and okay. more than anything, I just didn't know where you stood on Marvin Mims. And after doing a little bit of research, I was like, I, I want to see if I can shoot my shot. So um, remember, I started with, I don't want to trade Pickens. I think he fits my timeline. I'd love to watch him develop. You talk about a player, Davis, in Zay Flowers that can be worth two firsts. I think Pickens truly in, in the right situation, and I think we're two years away from seeing that, um, can be one of the top five receivers in the NFL. I think he's just special in his ability to track and catch the ball. So I I want to keep Pickens, but for me to move off of a guy like that, I would have to be blown away by the offer. So the offer I well, sent we had, you was, well, we hey, had another we had another structure that we talked we, about. We did. That's what surprised me is you you swapped out a twenty four second for Mims. We had we had yeah. we had a twenty five first, a twenty four second, and Jake Ferguson. I threw in some was thirds. A, I'll call it an agreement I in principle. Thirds. I'll call it that. I call it that, yeah. you know, we had a framework, so, a framework, I mean, we could a framework, a framework. We could, re, we could revisit that. We could revisit. It. All right. Before we cut this visit off, uh, we finish up this visit. We've talked about a few players within the context of our league economics, so to speak. And within this podcast, um, let's leave the people with your guys that you are most excited to see develop and to see their value go to the moon. As we like to say this year, uh, Dylan, you first. Yeah, I'm not going to surprise anyone with this, but mine's Anthony Richardson. I, I have this affinity for Anthony Richardson and wanting to see him truly come, become one of the elite for fantasy purposes, NFL purposes too, but for fantasy purposes to become an elite producer. And I see that in him. And I've been pounding the table for him throughout this whole draft process, finally seeing him go forth overall, got the capital that we wanted to see. And so now I'm excited to see him develop into an elite fantasy producer. So everybody is smiling for the same reason. How can one be so high on Anthony Richardson <laughs> and yet such a skeptic about Justin Fields? They feel like the Spider-Man meme. They kind of feel like the yeah. same dude. No, How to is me, that possible, it's Dylan? It's situation to me. Like, I, I truly, the, different, the difference maker for me is the situation. I do Shane not trust Eberflus. I, I, yeah, okay. I prefer Steichen over Eberflus. 100%. Eberflus is a defensive-minded. 
No, Shane Steichen, he did it with Hertz already. We haven't seen Eberflus do it, and he didn't prove last year that he could do it. So I'm just not convinced. If we see this year he takes that step forward, Justin Fields, and they continue to get better, then maybe sure I'll buy into it and I'll look like a fool. But I'm not putting my money on that. I'm putting my money on A. Rich Steichen in that offense. All right. And Josh, of course, he implored everybody. This was before that last preseason highlight he had to go out and get DJ Moore. So we know where Josh is on both Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Josh, who are you most excited to see go to the moon in 2023? Man, I mean, DJ Moore might have been my answer, but I think uh, I'll just keep I'll say keep a homer pick. I think Christian Watson uh, with Jordan Love, that pairing is is going to be great. I think that that's a that's an offense that loves to throw it deep, and Christian Watson is great at getting separation deep. Uh, I think he's going to finish the season as a high end wide receiver too, and he's so young and he, he has such the ability for big plays. I think he's really going to skyrocket in dynasty value. Okay, Davis. For me, it's easy. I'm going Dalton Kincaid because I love to be the contrarian where you have everybody. Do not buy into the rookie tight ends. I'm over rookie tight ends. It's going to take three years. No, I think we're going to see immediate fantasy production for Dalton Kincaid. He is my late redraft, late round tight end sleeper that I am looking to pick up. And I have said this before. I believe that by the end of this year, he is going to be a top two dynasty tight end. He is going to be the Travis Kelsey to Josh Allen. Um, So Dalton Kincaid, I'm all aboard on him. All right, uh, I'll I'll leave y'all with one, and this is obviously selfish because he, he's on my team. I have a rich, but my other QB that I'm building around, I don't know that this dude gets talked about enough. Quiet preseason, but he's also on an irrelevant franchise, and they don't have a bona fide alpha number one wide receiver, so the weapons are questionable, a rookie head coach, but it's just like something about – you know, again, no disrespect to Houston, one of the largest markets in the country, but the Texans just are not a top-of-mind team. But there's a reason why C.J. Stroud was the second pick of the draft. The Texans had their choice of every quarterback other than Bryce Young, and they went with C.J. Stroud. He's probably the safest of any of the, uh, the top uh, five quarterback picks this year in terms of his measurables and his college profile. Um, I know that was the SQ test thing, but I'm excited to see what C.J. Stroud can do. And if if, he, if they can completely, in, real, in reality, turn the page on Deshaun Watson and that fiasco, but if C.J. Stroud, uh, following in the footsteps of Justin Fields, puts to, to rest the idea of Ohio State quarterbacks not mattering on the NFL level. So I'm excited to see what C.J. Stroud got in those weapons that he has. I love Tank Dell, as you all know. Uh, I love the three <laughs> of you guys. I think this, I think this show is going to be great um, because of your relationship, because of your chemistry, because of your passion. It is not for casuals. It is not – dynasty isn't for casuals. It is not for mm. the type of people who are kind of one foot in and one foot out on fantasy. It is for degenerates. It is for people like us who spend way too much time thinking about their dynasty franchises. So uh, I hope the yeah. people who subscribe, uh, who, who listen, who download, who comment, uh, I hope they love it as much as I do because I could talk to you guys all day. Fellas, congratulations on the podcast. Michael Smith presents the Dynasty Exchange, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you get your podcasts, the Inflection Network YouTube channel. That's Davis, that's Dylan, that's Josh. Those are my guys. They're going to be your guys too. It's your new favorite fantasy football podcast.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.